Hey, welcome to the Latch Mama podcast. It's Lindy today, and I'm filling in for Melissa Wirt, who is about to have her little boy. And I'm excited about today's topic. We're going to be talking all things adoption, fostering, etc. So join us. You're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting, and all things motherhood. Hi, welcome. Hi, Lindy. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So this is Jessica, and um, she is like all things adoption pro, and I'm excited to talk to her today. Um, this is something that has been in and out of my mind. I have a lot of kids as well at home, and I'm like, wouldn't it be very cool to adopt a child that is looking for a loving family and whatnot. So I'm excited. So tell us a little bit about, um, a little bit about you, where you are currently and a little about your experience and how you got into that. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Um, so my, uh, I'm actually a licensed clinical social worker. The job role that um, allows me to work the most with clients is adoption social worker. I do do some other things at my agency, which I'll talk about as well. Um, My day can look very different. Um, I work with families who are interested in growing their family through adoption. And I also work with birth families that are um, potentially choosing to place their children with families. Um, and many of them are at a crossroads. Uh, many of them are having life challenges that lead them to this decision. So it's um, very rewarding to kind of see both sides of adoption. Yeah, I love that. Um, so tell us, just tell us the company that you do work for and just know if you're interested in any more information, we're going to have some um, a couple links and a number and a contact in our notes kind of section under the podcast. So you're welcome to check that out. Um, so yeah, just a little bit about the company, maybe sure. how long they've been around. Absolutely. So um, in 2019, Jewish Family Services, also known as JFS, celebrated their 170th birthday. Um, they started out um, with a small group of women that came out of a synagogue um, who wanted to make a difference in the community and did um, what sort of traditional social work, um, helping uh, families. Their mission includes tikkun alam, which means healing the world's pain. So um, over the years, based on the community's needs, they have offered a lot of different services. And about 60 years ago, they started the adoption program at JFS. Um, At that time, adoption looked very different. Um, It was often very secretive. There were um, there were many younger women that were choosing adoption and um, placing their children with families. And many times they didn't have um, follow up information about the families. It was done uh, very quietly. Um, It was considered very shameful if you were to be pregnant. And um, so it so this group of women and, and then later social workers would help um, families find a home for these babies. And over the last 60 years, that has changed a great deal. The um, women that we see that are pregnant and choosing adoption um, 
come to us um, at, at all ages, different socioeconomic statuses. Um, some of them um, have had um, very um, violent um, crimes committed, and that's why they choose adoption. Others are choosing adoption to um, allow their child, most of them are allowed to hope to have their child um, live a better life than they might be able to offer. So um, it's been interesting, even over the last 20 years at work, working at JFS, I've seen a lot of changes in um, what adoption looks like. Um, when we started, we were advertising in the yellow pages. Um, really? And, yeah. Wow. So we had, um, that's where women would find us. And obviously, um, as time went, o- went on over the decades, we um, began to uh, advertise on the internet, which we didn't right. think would be something we'd ever do. <laughs> and we certainly didn't think women who may have had um, little to no income would be able to access the internet. So yeah. it's been pretty cool to see how things change and how we use it. And now, of course, it's the primary source to gather information. Right. That's for both fantastic. Adoptive. Yeah. Okay. So if I was thinking about adoption, where what would be my first steps? Sure. Well, the, an adoption, first I would uh, encourage you to talk to an agency, talk to a social worker, get a um, good understanding of what it will look like for you. Um, every adoption has to have a home study. That home study has to be um, completed in your home state. Uh, a social worker will do a series of interviews with you and, um, they will um, visit your home, make sure it's a a generally safe place for a child. And um, once you're approved, there are several different ways to adopt. Um, So that's your first step regarding mm -hmm. whether you're looking at you would like to adopt an infant or an older child. It really doesn't matter. That's kind of like your first step. That's exactly right. right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Makes sense. Um, How long does this process normally take? And maybe that's dependent upon the avenue that you're taking, right? Whether it's an infant or a um, younger child or an older child. Yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. That's a very good question. So the process of becoming approved, usually for um, an agency like ours, it takes about 6 to 12 weeks. Um, some of that is um, under the control of the families. It's how quickly they can get the paperwork and background checks um, completed. Some families um, are very moti- motivated to get it done quickly. Others have a little bit more time to work with. And that's completely fine with us. Um, if you were working with a public agency, let's say you were interested in foster to adopt or you wanted to foster a child and work in foster care, it could potentially take um, a little bit longer Um The approval process has some different components if you're working with the state and working with children who are wards of the state. And um, it also um, may depend on the size of the agency. Some agencies may have um, more funding, more workers who can um, work on your home study more expeditiously. Okay. Now, the actual adoption really depends on a lot of different factors. Some of it is how flexible you are on gender, race, age. That's going to make a very big difference. Um, If you are in um, an area where um, there might be uh, 
a lot of different races and you are just interested in adopting a Caucasian child, you may find some challenges. And if you um, are interested in adopting only an infant, it may take you a little bit longer to find a placement than if you're interested in adopting an older child. Um, Unfortunately, there are a lot of children who are 11, 12, 13 and up that are still in need of homes. Yeah. Do you have any idea of those numbers? I I don't want to misquote. Yeah, um, no, I just know there's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot of children. Um, In Virginia, I mean, we usually are about and upwards about 700 children looking for placement and many of them are older that's some of the challenges some of them may be sibling sets um, and not every family can take more than one child so um, yeah yeah it it fluctuates and COVID has made some interesting um, challenges with that as well okay and tell me a little bit of difference between going that straight adoption route versus this the foster to adopt or just being a foster family or parent. Sure. Kind of a little bit, a few of the differences in that. Some of the things. So the biggest difference I would say would be finances. If you are interested in adopting through foster care or just to become a foster parent, there is no cost to you, uh, which is a really big advantage for a lot of families. And additionally, you are helping out um, a, a child Um, who has great need. If you are interested in adopting an infant, it could look a little bit different. Um, There's, there are agencies throughout the United States that will assist with an infant adoption, but it could come with a very large price tag. So in addition to paying for your home study, you may also be um, paying for search fees and other things that are needed to find women who are interested in placing. Okay. Um, some of those fees are really important because they involve offering counseling to the birth family and making sure that they are secure in their decision. Sometimes there's financial help for those birth parents who desperately need it. So um, the fees do are, are warranted. It's just not everybody right. has it in their budget. Right. No, that makes complete sense. Um, so I think you talked a little bit about just the infant versus the older child. Um, but are those home studies any different? Or is, is there different things that go into whether I definitely would like to adopt an infant um, versus um, like a you know, middle-aged child or that kind of thing? Yeah, there's, that's a really good question. Um, there are, in terms of the minimum standards, what's required by the state, that doesn't vary too much within the home study. However, it is up to the social worker to really take a look at a family and decide, are they going to be flexible um, in their parenting style? Um, Parenting a child who you've raised from infancy, who is yours biologically, versus a child who's had multiple losses, um, looks a little bit different. And so it's very important as a social worker to make sure that the family is flexible on um, discipline, um, that they have keep an open mind about behaviors that are a result of loss. So there's a lot of work to be done um, surrounding trauma and loss with a family who's interested right. in adopting an older child. Right. I know it's definitely very different and it can <clears throat> you know, t- sometimes change the dynamics. And I do think probably, like you said, the biggest thing is to be open to um, 
different uh, different types of parenting styles and things like that. Absolutely. Um, yes. And I assume I do think is there like ongoing counseling after and support for that family? Um, to, for that child, maybe alone, but also together as a unit and or parents separately, or even maybe a sibling, um, you know, automatically you kind of have a new sibling that maybe is a similar age to you. Sure. Um, yeah. What does that look like? That is a great question. Um, in Virginia, we do have what's called a post-adoption consortium. So there is a place, um, it's, it's grant funded. There's a place that people can go now in central Virginia and seek out um, services after the adoption is finalized. For our agency at JFS, we make ourselves available to our families um, at any point. They can return, they can stay with us, they can seek out, um, we have a full counseling department, so they can seek out counseling services as well um, with licensed counselors that have experience with trauma and loss. So that is always available to them. It doesn't necessarily um, come as part of the package, but we encourage at the end of a, at the, at the, not the end, but the, at the final order, at the conclusion of the legal part of adoption, Mm -hmm. that they continue to, um, seek services, check in with their child and, um, you know, always make it something that's available to them. Right. That's great. Um, you chat to me a little about a bit about the differences between like an open adoption and a closed adoption and what um, people may need to know about that. Okay, sure. Um, so every, I think it's important to know every state is different. Um, they all have different regulations, which can make adoption a little complicated. Um, I, so I can speak on Virginia. Okay. Um, most of the closed adoptions now tend to have, it's, it's a little challenging to keep it completely closed, but it is a possibility. Um, what that looks like is you may have non-identifying information about both parties. Um, and then the, um, the only way really to have a successful closed adoption would be to do an agency adoption. And that's where the agency takes custody of the baby and places with the family. Um, It's very few and far between uh, nowadays because research is really showing that some amount of openness um, or information is valuable to the child as they grow up. So that is um, something we're really seeing less and less of. Right. So when you say closed adoption, neither side has met each other or knows of them. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. Okay. I didn't and know would, that. And you can imagine it's very hard. That would be very hard to manage in our world today. Right. Um, and then there are in, in Virginia, you, you, there's allowed for several variations of openness. Um, we encourage as much openness as the both parties are comfortable with. And so, um, it could be an exchange of first names. It could be first and last names and identifying information. Um, and then either the information is open and communication is wide open, or you're given a certain amount of information in a semi-open adoption, and that is what you get until um, the child is 18, and they can gotcha. seek out additional information. So there's a huge range when it comes to the word open. 
That's and, exactly right. And it's really dependent on both parties on what they would like. That's great. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and this is a difficult question, but I thought it was a good one. Um, if that birth mother is ever wanting that child back, mm-hmm. do you ever see this um, come across at your company um, often? Um, I think it's a difficult one to probably work through or sure. hear. It, it's a it's a good question, and it's absolutely something we w- almost always visit um, with the family. Um, yes, there are circumstances where the birth mother does change her mind about placement. Um, and as social workers, we're trained to kind of see some things as yellow flags or red flags in the process. Um, but we always say we don't really know um, what will happen. Um, so we work with the family on, you know, what to expect. We also want to make sure that the the birth mother understands how long that they have to change their mind and to understand that this is their option. And if they choose to change their mind, that is their choice. And so it's, it's very important that both parties understand the dialogue that's happening on each side. Um, and there is a point that they call it the revocation period. So from the time that the child has been placed with the new family Mm -hmm. to a certain number of days um, in Virginia, she has an opportunity to change her mind. After that, she does not. Um, So everybody knows about this, um, this kind of um, timeline. Yeah. And how long did you say how long that is? It's usually about 10 days. There okay. are a couple of different steps when you can get into court, but we'll just okay. say for yeah. argument of <laughs> just, just for informational yeah. purposes that it's about right. 10 days. Right. Um, and that's, that's usually with a parental placement with an agency adoption. It's about the same. Um, yeah. So it's good. Yeah. It's, it's emotionally charging for all parties and we recognize that. Um, and so we try to prepare both sides for you know what it might look like right and especially for the birth family you know really helping them understand how difficult it's going to be because sometimes they don't see it until it's right there yeah and now that I've just chatted to you a little bit about you know today and um the process uh, there's a lot of counseling involved Mm -hmm. I don't think I really thought about that um and maybe how many times would you say meet with a family or um, that is looking to adopt or maybe more so I think I'm asking about if something, someone's looking to place a baby for adoption. Are there lots of sessions prior to, you know, a decision? Because that's not an easy one. No, it's not. Um, it really depends. And they are always available. They're always encouraged depending on where they are in the pregnancy when they come to us that mm-hmm. may um that may sort of set the pace for how often we were meeting. Right. Um, many times with the birth moms that need a lot of handholding, we may um, go with them to the doctor's appointments. And there's a lot of dialogue happening there. And um, right. the trained social worker is speaking with her. If she comes to us in the hospital um, and all suddenly has a baby, which surprisingly happens <laughs> more than you would yeah, you would think. Um, then we do a lot of work in the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's um, labor intensive for the agency, but it's exciting. And 
we do a lot of follow-up. We make ourselves very available um, for the birth family. Um, and some of them are open to it and some of them are not. So yeah. it just depends. Yeah. But yes, it's always available in large quantities. <laughs> yeah, so I would yeah. think so. Um, do you have a couple like favorite moments that stick out to you that you just really remember over the course of your time there? Oh, gosh. Um, I, you know, it's funny that you say that, but I have many special moments. And the, um, the, the, every, everything we do is confidential. Yes. And so the only people who kind of know about those moments are the other social workers. So it's something that we share as, social workers that, you know, we, it can't go any further than yeah. our office. So yes, we've seen, you know, I've been there over 20 years. So the kids that I have, um, assist with placing have graduated and gone wow. on to, you know, do new things and become, you know, not just bundles of joy, but mm-hmm. people that have, do they ever know, keep in touch? They do sometimes. That's really yeah. cool. It's super special. Yeah. That is really cool. Is cool. Yeah. I just, I can't, I can see that happening because it's not, this is not a quick, No, it's not a quick thing. Um, it's a big part of their life. And, sure. Yeah. And it's a life event that um, you never forget. No one ever forgets, right. you know. Right. I That's remember incredible. every single placement. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. Do you have anything else you want to share? Again, there's going to be some information below. Um of JFS and some contact information and but anything else for our listeners? <laughs> Thanks. So I encourage everyone to explore um, adoption and foster care. We do have a sister program called Connecting Hearts. And um, we do a lot of good work with helping place older children. So if it is um, part of you know, if it's in your heart and part of your story to um, look into fostering or adopting an older child, um, I encourage you to, to call us. And um, if you're in the Richmond area, um, we would love to speak with you about, you know, our, our favorite thing. Yeah, I love it. Thanks yeah. so much. Sure. Thank okay. you for having me. You're welcome.